Welcome to B2B Impact by BDB. Join me, Matt Smith, CEO of BDB, and Oliver Brewood, BDB's Head of Digital and Technology, as we get together to discuss the myriad of trends, topics, opportunities, and developments in the world of B2B marketing and communications. Our aim is to arm you with content, opinions, and insights that deliver lasting and meaningful impact across the B2B community, helping the global businesses and brands we partner with navigate their way through the information and communication revolution. Are you ready to make an impact? Hi everybody and welcome to this week's episode of the B2B Impact Podcast. Um, this week we are joined by Holly Mayer, who is our Head of Content here at BDB. And we're here to discuss uh, a reappraisal on the topic of B2B thought leadership, uh, which links in very nicely uh, to the relaunch of the knowledge for those that aren't familiar with it. So it's one of the key pieces of content we've produced over the last sort of 18 months, which took a bit of a pause during the pandemic. Um, helping our clients continue to navigate the ever-evolving B2B marketing landscape. Um, and thought leadership, I guess, is the topic that we're seeing crop up a lot across our clients and campaigns. Um, and we wanted to take some time today to kind of flesh out that as an area of discussion, um, where it's cropping up, where we think uh, clients can do better, uh, perform better around it, and some of the issues maybe clients are having in authentically tackling thought leadership as an area for discussion. So... Um, there's a lovely introduction that's been written for me, which I'm going to uh, rattle off here for you now, but <laughs> I guess for too long we're seeing that thought leadership's been tacked onto marketing campaigns without any real investment um, into the very thing that makes it valuable, being unique thought, I guess is what we're really saying there. Um, so thought leadership should be about doing something that truly leads from the front, um, with genuine, genuinely informative and or inspirational insights, and most importantly for me, original thought. Um, the reality that we see across several clients and prospects and companies is that many thought leadership campaigns are falling flat, mainly because they're not doing this. Um, rather than they're rather focusing on inflating egos, building personal profiles of individuals within business, or sharing superficial insights that are failing to actually showcase anything interesting or unique. Um, thought leadership should be coming deeper from within the organisation, being seen as a fundamental part of brand strategy, and that's why we're here today to give it more of a reappraisal and see where we go from there. So, do you want to introduce yourself, Holly, or is head of content enough? Sure. Hi everyone. Um, really happy to be here with you guys today talking about thought leadership. Um, I think like you said, Matt, one of the reasons we wanted to talk about it today is because it's something, particularly at this time of year as we head into planning stage, that we're frequently presented with by mm -hmm. clients. Um, it's this thing that they want to do and I think it's often <laughs> highlighted as a goal but without really thinking about why. It's just kind of this buzzword that people think they have to incorporate in, into their campaigns. Mm -hmm. um, I think the key thing as well is that we see examples across, you can almost see it as a spectrum of thought leadership. Mm -hmm. So we've got those right at the start who really need help in identifying what those topics are that they can credibly talk about and own. Yep. And then you've got others who know who their experts are within their organisation but really need help in crafting those opinions and stories into compelling content yep. um, and essentially helping them find the white space and whether we're actually really saying something new and interesting or if it's just adding to the content clutter that's out there. So yeah, a big, big variety in, in the types of challenges well, when, that we see. When did you see it first starting coming to the forefront as a term or as a, it's a, it's a personal, it's your, your personal take on it, but when did clients start speaking about thought leadership? Because it seems like a topic for me that's cropped up in the last five years would you say or something like that mm -hmm. in the sense of clients wanting to be a thought leader uh, or wanting to define themselves as that is that something that you're seeing in terms of in terms of 
the, the re- it's quite a recent-ish <coughs> development still, I would say. Yeah, I, I guess it's with like the rise of social media, is the ability to get out there and, and share your opinion more easily. I guess blogs probably came out and I'm going to hazard a guess at like 2004, that sort of era and, and the big rise of blogs. But I guess social media has really uh, helped to, to give thought leaders, as they were, a, a voice in the space. And I guess in, in the B2B space, that's more LinkedIn. So I, I feel like we're talking about sort of 2010 onwards and therefore it makes sense that, yeah, in the last sort of few years, it's got a lot more prominence. And in terms of clients coming to you and saying, right, we want to be positioned as a thought leader or we want to build thought leadership into one of our campaign plans on marketing strategies. What do they mean when they say that to you? How do they define it? Because obviously there's a technical definition for thought leadership. What do they... Can I tack on a question to that? Which is, from a, from your perspective or a client perspective, what's what's the difference between thought leadership and content marketing? Is thought leadership a type of content marketing or are they completely separate? How do you... Uh, Yeah, I think that's a really interesting question. And I think (laughs) the answer is that it really varies in terms of what what clients mean when they say thought leadership, which Mm -hmm. is where from our side, it's up to us to dig a little bit deeper in terms of what they're actually wanting to achieve. I think the, in terms of um, differentiating thought leadership and content marketing, Mm -hmm. I think there's there's some schools of thought out there that see thought leadership as a content type. In my opinion, that's really limiting the scope of what thought leadership can achieve, and it's a, it's a discipline in itself. And to me, I think one of the best ways to think about it is really as a mindset, okay. um, and that ties into really <clears throat> the importance of embedding it within an organisation. It's just it's not just a type of content that we're adding into the marketing mix. Mm-hmm. It's more about an approach, and at the heart of that, it's value and trust, and ultimately creating. A community for positive change yep. so I think seeing it as simply a content type is is really limiting to me it's more of a the engine of your content room and the different types of content can be really varied like podcasts or white papers or guides or blogs like you were saying Ollie it's it's not one specific type of content I think that's I think the fact it's got to be a sustained effort in yeah. the sense of it's not just a spiky piece of content as you say or yeah. a moment in time if you want to be seen as, seen as a go-to person within your industry or a voice of authority within your industry that has to be a sustained effort that weaves all the way through your marketing campaign yeah. and strategy not just as you mm-hmm. say a spiky piece of content as you say Absolutely. one of the things that's touched on within the knowledge itself um in, in terms of the addition that we touched is is can only people be thought leaders or can businesses be thought leaders or is it a blend of the two what what's your your respective opinions on that I think we'll all be able to think of examples of, of individuals out there who are thought leaders, either because we follow them or just because they're, they're so prevalent that everybody globally is likely to know them. I, I guess within that, you've got the likes of um, Stephen Bartlett, Gary Vaynerchuk, people that are just constantly out there sharing mm-hmm. their, their advice, their guidance. So I think from that point of view, when I think thought leader, I usually think individual first. Mm-hmm. I know when we were chatting yesterday, Holly, we were talking about companies too, and you have some examples of companies mm-hmm. that could fit in that space as well. Yeah, I think one of the, the examples that springs to my mind, I think actually the, the point to make first, if you think about brands that are doing it well, I honestly struggle <laughs> to yeah. think of any, particularly in the B2B space, and yeah. I think that speaks to the extent to which thought leadership really is an art. Mm. Um, I think one of the brands that are forefront in my mind is IBM. Yeah. Um, I was listening to a podcast with them, actually, um, on the way in this morning. Um, timely. <laughs> very timely. And... Um, they were really talking about having 
a think tank essentially within their organization dedicated to thought leadership so it just shows the extent to which some brands and businesses are investing in thought leadership as part of an, an integral part of their organization yeah um but i think from an individual perspective you can have more than one thought leader within your business yeah. and i think the other key point there is considering that not not all thought leaders look the same yeah. there are different types of thought leader and i think that's where some of the confusion can creep in sometimes yeah, particularly yeah. from a client perspective so what's the difference between i don't know a subject matter for example and a thought leader or an yeah. influencer there's there's different kind of levels of thought leadership that and was, they, all, they all have a role to that play. was something i was <laughs> going to jump into then which is completely off, off piece just like, like i like to do during these things but it's what you, what you mentioned in the gary v and steve bartlett and the confusion between thought leadership and influence mm. I think that's quite important yeah. as something that gets confused quite a lot. Because even Gary Vee and Steve Bartlett, as examples, I could form an argument of influences rather than thought leaders. Because if you listen to a lot of what they actually say, it's not a unique opinion. It's not no. particularly it, groundbreaking things. You know, telling people to buy and sell stuff and go to a thrift store. and It's not, it's not particularly anything interesting or unique that they're saying. But there's a volume-based metric to it, which obviously gets them the traction yeah. and gets them the coverage and gets them the followers. Um, whereas for me, thought leadership is real, real value, yeah. real, real value add. Where I'm not saying there isn't any of that in their topics, obviously. Mm. I think but it's an interesting point, isn't it? it I, it's, I think <coughs> it's really interesting. And that, to me, the thing that differentiates them is I see them more as curators mm-hmm. um, yeah. of thought rather than, and I'm, I might be doing some of them a disservice, but I think a lot that takes Stephen Bartlett, for yeah. example, he he's so active on LinkedIn, like you say, it's that volume and visibility that he's giving himself. But a lot of the time, it's the people that he's got sat with him on his podcast mm. where that's the, to me, no, that <laughs> that's is, yeah, really yeah. interesting mm. thoughts. Yeah, yeah. So that's more of a kind of a curator of thoughts and ideas rather than like... I guess that's that the wider content strategy thought. for him. Because yeah. the, the hero piece is the podcast, isn't it? Where, exactly. where the general insights yeah, yeah. and thought leadership and then cascading off that is all the other complementary stuff that goes with yeah. it. Uh, which, and there's still a value to that. Absolutely. Um, but I think... There's, there's a risk that those different um, types of thought leader get mm. used interchangeably. And like I say, I think that's where some of the confusion comes from. Yeah, I get that. Because there's other kind of marketers that you might think of. So I don't know if anybody's familiar with Rand Fishkin, who was mm-hmm. the founder of Moz. Mm-hmm. So um, I always reference the Moz blog as a great source of like SEO content. And, that, and that's probably a good example of thought leadership content, where everybody that posts on there is an SEO expert mm-hmm. sharing really, really detailed insight. Like every article's 3,000 words long, accompanied by graphs and so on and so forth. And, and those, I guess, are, are probably in the more thought leadership space where they're sharing their detailed expertise and insight mm-hmm. as opposed to kind of more yeah, sh- sharing and or reiterating, curating um, kind of opinion. Look, I guess one of the things we're always keen to try to do on the podcast here is give some tangible kind of practical advice to it as well because obviously you can appraise what's not going well with thought leadership and where the difficulties are but how people actually can make some progress in it so in terms of again within the knowledge itself we can review these but some of the key ingredients to success to actually make some inroads into positioning yourself as a thought leader within mm-hmm. your industry or space do you want to touch on a few of those respective areas in terms of some maybe some low-hanging fruit where people can i want to be positioned as a thought leader even where do i start i think is where quite a lot of people kick off from from a business perspective yeah i think there's there's three key elements of thought leadership mm-hmm. um and again this was an interesting discussion in in what IBM was saying about how they think about it and how they consider um, 
what they consider to be the key elements of successful thought leadership. And it's really based around three pillars, so expertise. Mm -hmm. So what are the topics that you can credibly talk about? Then having the data to support that, so unique data that you can't get anywhere else. That's the bit that quite often is is hardest to find. (laughs) Um, And then layering on top of that, the analysis of those two things combined. And I think that's a really unique and powerful formula almost for for thought leadership Mm -hmm. like I say I think that expertise often sits within an organization but where our clients often struggle is unpicking that and getting those insights from the teams and and a lot of the time the (laughs) the insights that the team deliver they might not um, realize the uniqueness or the power of what what those thoughts and opinions might be Um, so it's our job then to help them unpick those. And I think mm-hmm. it, there's, there's almost that sliding scale again. It's understanding the conversations which they can participate in. So yeah. they're not necessarily saying anything wildly different to the competition or anyone else out yeah. there, all the way through to what are, the, what are the topics that they can own and really champion and drive forward mm-hmm. and say something completely different to, to what the competition is saying. And I think ultimately the reason why that can feel challenging to a lot of clients and b2b brands it's meant to be (laughs) thought leadership is meant to feel uncomfortable it's meant to feel difficult um and i think that that's why so often it does it does fall flat because it's Mm -hmm. about being a brave and going out there with an opinion and i think in the corporate world that can feel a little bit scary having an opinion is scary enough isn't it because as soon as you put in your head above the the pit to be shot at ultimately then people will have opinions back particularly in social media where you're likely amplifying this kind of stuff out Um, it is a bit like the Wild West in terms of people's ability to obviously... And I think we touch on it in the knowledge, but I, I would say our clients, um, and I'd say this is probably true for most companies to a, to a degree, do have um, some angle on, on that expertise that is different to their competition. So there might be a lot of different companies out there providing a similar service, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but they'll, there'll be something unique about them, either their level of expertise or their level of expertise in a certain facet of it, um, whether that's logistics or whether that's a sustainability angle or, or something that will make them mm-hmm. uh, and their voice more unique and and then the other point related to that, that I always kind of think is that even if there's someone out there that's technically kind of doing some very similar work to you and maybe it's not as clear what your USP is it doesn't mean that um, that other company is sharing it to the same degree that you are which mm-hmm. means that you can always kind of out out market them effectively but I, w- I would argue from a strategy perspective every single business or individual has something unique to offer mm-hmm. it takes you a while to find it sometimes as, as you were saying Holly it takes you a while to sort of unpick what that is I, I think quite often maybe not so much with our clients who are more established and global and, and large businesses but there's almost an imposter syndrome argument that the, the credibility issue comes to the light of well yeah. can I be a thought leader am I senior enough have I got enough experience have I got something unique to say have I got a big enough following is anybody going to be interested in my opinion but particularly when you started off on your thought leadership journey, you've got, you've got to start from somewhere, haven't you? And it's kind of that, that leap of faith to go with it. And that is how the traction will build and opinions start to build and listeners and followers yeah. and interest in, what, in the topics that you're speaking about. So I think that kind of goes nicely on to kind of the second area we wanted to discuss, which is how do you identify who it is that should be your thought leader? So do you have any thoughts that kind of on how you'd go about doing that if you kind of start trying to start thought leadership? Yeah, it's an interesting question. And I think it does go back to building that culture internally Mm -hmm. (laughs) um i think sometimes thought leadership is seen as something that originates or is dictated by marketing um and in my experience when it comes from that angle it's much harder to get it going (laughs) and actually thought leadership is much more successful when it sort Mm -hmm. of grows organically from within but 
as with all good thought leadership, it, that's, it's very much a longer term game. Mm-hmm. So I think to start with, it's building, building the foundations, building that culture of psychological safety where people feel comfortable sharing ideas. And, and it's almost kind of opening up the channels and opportunities to let people do that internally, build that confidence, find the people that have those opinions and stories and experiences and help it to build organically mm-hmm. rather than kind of necessarily pinpointing the specific yeah. people within the organization I, th- I think there's an element of it that has has to be organic yeah and i think from from what i've just seen anecdotally obviously not as anywhere near involved in content as you are in kind of previous roles i've been that marketer that spoke to a product expert and said mm-hmm. hey can we have a blog and then are they really passionate about it do they agree it's the right topic are they even a good writer and what we got out of that exercise was often kind of not that worthwhile i imagine they weren't that invested in it so like you say, kind of getting them more involved, I guess a wider group more involved in it and mm-hmm. see who's who's more kind of wanting to get their opinions out there, who's wanting to be more socially, um, social media active. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people don't really want to post that much, but other people absolutely love getting on social media yeah. and sharing their opinions. So I guess it's about trying to identify those types of people as well. How important yeah. do you think it is to get the actual experts, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll say in front of the camera, I appreciate there's different types of content, but... but video forms a large part of the skeleton these days and informing opinions and so on but by the experts i mean the, the the technical people in b2b the guys that are behind the scenes the guys that may be in the labs doing formulations or whatever it may be because quite often there's a disconnect there isn't there between they're the experts but they certainly they're not yeah. comfortable in front of camera they don't want to be doing that whereas and i think that's where you end up with that link well marketing kind of take the information from them mm-hmm. and somebody in marketing <coughs> or somebody more sales or outward facing will become that that piece the camera delivery person yeah but then you're not really hearing it direct from the expert. Is, is there a disconnect there, do you think, or is it not a problem? Potentially. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it all comes down to authenticity a lot uh-huh. of the time and credibility. Um, I also think it ties back to the point around the <coughs> difference between your subject matter experts and your thought leaders. Yeah. Um, people like you're saying, potentially those who work in, I don't know, in R&D capacity or who are very involved um, with customers on, on the front line, essentially, yeah. who do really have that understanding of the problems that customers are, are facing. Again, I think they're almost the kind of curators of that experience and knowledge and, and opinion. Mm-hmm. So they can still play a role in a thought leadership program and initiative without having to be that, um, I guess, what am I trying to say? <laughs> without, without trying to be that... Um, public figure I yeah. guess for an organisation there's, there's a role for them to that's play that's where the nervousness without, kicks in yeah, people and exactly, I think it comes down to exactly. what the, the, the personality type and the profile of the individual so I, I yeah. know in one of my previous roles where it is, where it's working within tech then um, the actual developers that worked in the R&D department were probably not people that in general would want to be kind of out there doing yeah. videos and stuff like that but the lead of that team who is the, like the head of R&D was very vocal and he was always sharing uh, different opinions on, on social media about upcoming technology trends and so on and so forth mm. that made him the ideal person for that but he kind of almost self-identified as that mm. yeah. because he was just out there doing it on his own without any prompting so then yeah. I guess in that case the key thing would be to to work with him to help uh, understand and craft a kind of wider communications plan as opposed to it just being something that was a solo initiative yeah and then the talking points and prompts that were perfectly prepared for me here. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things it references, and I'm going to say this, I don't, I don't know if this is a mistake or not, which makes it an interesting talking point, is to be a thought leader, you need a big social media following. Do you? I would, I would think this is a build it and they will come type situation. Okay. If you get out there and, and share a high quality um, and 
I was going to say valid, but maybe engaging opinion might be the, the right way to put it. Yep. People will generally start to follow you. I'm not saying you won't need some additional amplification to help get you there potentially if you literally have zero mm -hmm. following. Sure. But I would think most people in business will be collect connected to some level of, of customers already without having a, a kind of built following already. So you, you're probably connected to at least 500 odd people on LinkedIn that are high value people to read your content. Mm -hmm. So I'd say from that point of view, I think anybody can get out there and start sharing stuff. Do you think it's a chicken and egg situation? By that I mean, uh, some people might think they have to have the following to be a thought leader, or is it, don't worry about the following, crack on with your thought leadership kind of strategy, and let the following build behind you? I'm not sure. I'm not sure if that's a concern or not. Potentially that could be something that crosses the mind, but I'm you fairly hear, confident. You hear, you hear it a lot though, when people are rephrasing, <coughs> well I can't be the thought leader, I've only got so many followers, I can't be the thought leader, I've only got so many connections, and you're like, well that, that actually shouldn't be the point, yeah. in, my, in my opinion. Because the people yeah. that with big followers are the ones that get out there, share, like we were talking about before with the likes of Gary Vaynerchuk, God knows how many pieces of content he's putting out a day. Yep. It's all about that consistency, so, about it's the also, volume. It's also with someone like that, not just him. Yeah, hundred percent. There's a huge. Team well, when you get to that level, yeah, when yeah. you got to that level, you do need a team behind you. But I think, um, I mean, I guess that can be done anyway to have marketers behind you to help help crafting some of the messages to yeah. save time, if nothing else. I guess two of the final points to kind of touch on, just to round it off. I would say one of the, one of them is around buying. So it's, it's really important in any in any marketing strategy, in any communication strategy, mm. to have buying from senior leadership, C-suite, the budget mm -hmm. holders however you want to look at it. Um, do you think it's easy to buy into thought leadership in the early, in the early stages of the journey? I guess in the, once you've established and you're running with it and you can yeah, see the tangible yeah. benefits from it, clearly different. But if you're thinking about getting into thought leadership or maybe you're early <laughs> on with it in the first few years and really trying to embrace it, do you think that's one of the kind of lines in the marketing strategy that's going to be under more scrutiny from the C-suites or the, or the senior people? I think so, particularly because, and again, this is something that's been talked about massively around in thought leadership circles is around how how do you actually measure the impact mm -hmm. of ROI yep. of ROI of thought leadership <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and I think in a in a climate where marketing budgets are being scrutinized and um, the leadership teams want to see want to see ROI and they want to see the the impact of, of the investment that's being put into marketing campaigns mm -hmm. thought leadership is one of those that can hard be harder to justify or yep. prove but and particularly as well because it's it's very much a longer term game if yep. it's done right yep. yeah. <laughs> um one of the interesting things that um ibm was saying they've done a big research project into how can how can we show the impact of, of thought leadership mm. um they've done some a really rigorous piece of research um, and what they found is that thought leadership can deliver an roi of 156 percent wow. when if you think about for other standard marketing campaigns they were estimating about an roi of nine to ten percent mm -hmm. so if you think about it like that yeah. the, the potential impact of, of thought leadership is massive um, but for the majority of businesses actually until now trying to prove that has been incredibly difficult okay. um so I think even having that, those kind of statistics at hand yeah. to be able to mm -hmm. show, look, if, if we invest this time and effort into it, because it does take time and effort, mm -hmm. these, these are the kind of results that we can I think, we yeah, can I think you can end up in a situation where if, you, if you're going into this quite naive, you could think, well, we'll put this, we'll put this blog online exactly. or this post yeah. on social media and we'll see how many leads we get off the back of it. You're not likely to, realistically. Yeah. Not off that one. And maybe you do, but you might not even know because that mm -hmm. person might just see the post, look you up online. And, uh, and then end up coming through those channels. But I think even from our own um, <coughs> point of view with the content that we put out there, 
I think one of the really high value things, which isn't a measure you can hold up there, but it's that anecdotal uh, kind of more yeah. qualitative and somewhat sporadic feedback, which shows the right people, in our case, our clients, are receiving our content, are engaged with our content, are enjoying it and are valuing the expertise that we're sharing with it. And we know that from, from being invited to additional calls that we might not have been otherwise because we've talked about a topic that's of interest and relevance to them at that time. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, to me, the real power of thought leadership, which is why mm. I get so excited when clients come yeah. to us and, and they want to talk to us about it, is it really is an enabler for strategic conversations with, with their customers and their end customers. Um, and I think the power of that can't be underestimated. It's hard to, sh to yeah, show yeah. that tangible value, but actually unlocking something where they they're essentially positioning themselves as problem solvers, which yeah. is a lot of <laughs> what we're doing. But don't, don't you think on that point, I was trying to hold my point in my head because I tend to forget them all of a sudden on these podcasts, <laughs> but it was more in relation to that point exactly. The alignment between sales and marketing is crucial in yeah. thought leadership because, again, there's a big disconnect there that it is mindset, even if it's a sustained uh, piece of your marketing strategy, you've got several pieces of content going out over mm -hmm. a period of time, you're starting to build that traction. The people at the cold face who are your salespeople who are out in the field speaking to people don't know how to utilize that information don't have it with them don't reference it don't say did you see this piece of content and i think you see a big disconnect there the salespeople just aren't using the content maybe, maybe aren't even aware of some of the thought leadership pieces that are going out other than seeing things pinging around on linkedin or social media attractions whereas i think if you've got the sales and marketing functions working more closely and more aligned I think you might see more. I think you might see more of an uplift in actually the, the return on investment and how you can qualify yeah. the metrics around it. Was that a success? If you can say yes, well, they saw this piece of content, this piece of content, yeah. and that led to kind of a conversion further down the mm -hmm. line potentially. So, yeah. and I think when when we're talking about rethinking or reassessing thought leadership, it is considering it within the context of that buyer journey. I think there's, there's yep. no doubt or question over the impact it can have on the top of the funnel. Yep. But actually, how powerful could it be if we're thinking about it across that entire buyer journey mm -hmm. and also involving <coughs> the relevant people across those different stages as well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yes, yeah, so I suppose every piece of content has got multi-purposes as well, hasn't it? So the, the piece of content that's put out, whether it's by, on, a, on a company blog or on social media, mm -hmm. is going to impact your search. So that's going to be primarily or potentially uh, top of funnel, could obviously be uh, anywhere in the funnel, but potentially top of funnel. You've then got people that are actually already connected to you, customers. Mm -hmm. so that's kind of, I guess, kind of more in that resale cycle of the funnel. And like you say, sales teams being able to repurpose it as well. So you're getting content and opinions out there throughout throughout that buyer journey. Okay. Cool. Sounds good. Thanks so much. Thanks for joining us today, Holly. Thank you for having me. Um, as a reminder to everybody, if you are not receiving a copy of the knowledge from BDB, please get in touch with us. Uh, there's a newly relaunched digital edition, uh, which should be out now uh, when, the, when this podcast is released. Um, and if you'd like a physical copy as well, please get in touch with either your account handler or your account lead or through the website. Uh, we can make sure <coughs> me, you're on the distribution list for our future releases. So uh, that's been uh, the B2B Impact Podcast. Hope you've enjoyed it. Hope you found some insights. Thanks again to Holly, Holly and Ollie, that's a mouthful, for joining us. <laughs> and uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks very much. Thank Cheers, you. guys. <laughs>